Welcome to the Profane Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. And if you've been listening to this podcast in real time, you know that we tend to take on subjects that are appropriate for the holiday season throughout the year. And this episode is going to deal specifically with Father's Day. I am recording this actually on Father's Day. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what fatherdom and fatherhood and just masculinity means within a religious, a social religious, a social theological setting, and how all the intersections of intersectionality come together within Father's Day. So sit back, buckle up, relax, do what you got to do, because this is Profane Faith. He said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, hey, profane faithers. How y'all doing out there? Profane faith land. This your boy, as always, Dan White Hodge. Hope you're enjoying the day today. But this week's episode, I should say, rather, is a... A special issue, sort of, kind of, um, dealing with particularly Father's Day. Um, man, this is an interesting day um, for me. Uh, and today you're going to be hearing different perspectives from different folks. Um, I actually had another episode planned, as as is the case with a lot of episodes. And I got it thinking, I was like, huh, today's Father's Day. And, you know, today was great. If you're listening to this in real time, uh, as a dad, I you know, I was able to sleep in a little bit today. And uh, my daughter made these great pancakes for me that's with a heart. And the pancakes spelled out dad. Um, and, you know, it, it was great. It was a great morning to wake up to. We went bowling, uh, hung out. My oven went out last a uh, couple weeks ago, so I got a new oven. So, you know, it, it was great. And that's kind of how it's been every year since... I uh, had my daughter in 06. Now, that being said aside, um, you know, this this day means a bunch of different things for me. Um, Mother's Day is, is, is important as well. However, I grew up with a mother. I did not grow up with a dad. So I'm able to connect with Mother's Day in a lot different ways because I've been celebrating it, you know, since I can remember. Um, now, growing up without a father had a lot of different engagements um so yeah it um yeah it it means different things which is why i wanted to have different perspectives from different people i texted my friends really quick and uh folks who've been on the show before folks who haven't and um they were graciously able to send me some clips of what they thought father's day was so you'll be hearing those intermittently throughout this episode but um you know if you haven't heard my story i always tell folks you know go back to episode one uh, of uh, the podcast you can find that anywhere it should be all logged in there or if you forget whitehodgepodcast.com and you can kind of hear my story um i give a, a pretty detailed account of just you know what my life has been like and part of that has been growing up without a 
strong male figure in my life. And so for a large part of my life, I had to find a father figure in different arenas. Um, I had to look for, well, and I did, I looked for different dads in different areas. And so I won't rehash those engagements, but I will say a couple of different things on what I think Father's Day is for me. Um, It means not being able to identify one, when you think about deity, and deity has always, at least in the Christian faith, typically been referred back to as a man and a male pronoun figure you know thank god for his glory his mercies he is wonderful um and i've always had a hard time relating to that because i don't know what a father is um and you know i last time i saw my dad was july 18th 1982 i was eight years old uh it was out in oakland california um i had met him once before um about four years prior to that um but you know i was four years old and i barely remember the 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 time and uh, there's a couple of underexposed pictures that that we took and then you know it's almost apropos that you know that no, no picture ever came out other than the cover of the picture that you see on today's episode and for those of you again uh i i do embed a a, a picture um every episode uh, on it i know you're listening in itunes or even spotify or some of these other places they don't necessarily give you the picture um so if you want to see the picture of my dad you can go to whitehodgepodcast.com and check out uh the only good picture i have of my dad that's it um and so you know growing up i I, again, I the, the, my last contact with him was then. And I remember at that point, you know, he knew I was into um, planes. I remember he bought me this 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 box of, of toys. It was a box of planes and toys. And I remember playing with it uh, and, and having a great time. I and mean, he brought me like, there was like several space shuttles that were in that. And there was a couple of the little planes. And I remember, I think he got me a stopwatch because I was into stopwatches for whatever reason, right? Um, and I, you know, those—that was the last I remember of having contact with my dad. Um, shortly after, I think he wrote a letter, and then after that, I never heard from him again. Quite literally, I mean—I know when when I moved from Texas to California, my mom did file for child support. He did pay, um, and you know, for you know, a small amount. So I don't know, you know, I don't know where he was at at that point. And really, at that by that point, I really wasn't. I really wasn't thinking about, you know, a relationship with him uh, so much because, you know, so much time had passed. I think as an eight year old growing up in the South in a small rural community where heteronormativity was typically defined by a how tough you were, b how big your penis was, c uh, how you were able to use that penis on women um, and have as much good sex as you could. Right. You know, combined with that toughness. Had not having a dad, being the only black kid, uh, put me at a disadvantage in a lot of different environments, right? Because, um, you know, I just I couldn't relate to a lot of the, the the young young boys that I would hang around with. A lot of my my friends at the time, who would say, "Oh, you know, I'm going to go hang out with my dad," or "My dad and I are going to go hunting," or "My dad and I," and I don't think necessarily that having a dad would have made things that much better. I don't know what my dad would have been like. I don't know where he stands on gender or intersection, intersectionality or, or or how he looks at God or how he understands faith and religion in his life. I don't know any of those things. Um, I've looked for him. I know probably some of you are thinking right now, well, have you tried to look for him? Yes, of course. 
uh, many different times. Um, I, and, you know, to come up short, uh, the closest I got was some cat that I reached out to. I remember one time, uh, this was back, I don't know, I was still in grad school at the time, and my wife, Emily, was like, look, we gonna find your dad. So we called every Hodge in the Oakland Alameda County uh, phone book. We just went through every Hodge and just called up um, and, you know, of course, drew a blank. Well, we found somebody that said, oh, that he had passed away in 88 or something like that, which, again, I don't necessarily know if I believe it because I was trying to give all the details. And the person on the other side, oh, no, Ernie Hodge, which is his name, Ernest Hodge. No, he passed away in 88 and this and this and that and this and that. Woo, woo, and. I was like, right, but he did pay child support. My, To my knowledge, you can't pay child support if you're dead. Um, So he paid it up until about 92, 93. Um, and so I've tried to use some of those records um, to find him as well. I've just drawn a blank. So I don't know. At this point, hey, if any of y'all out there, you know, you know, you know more tools than I do. Maybe you're a PI and, and you are, because I think that's what the, the next step I'm going to have to do. I like, I, I think for me, that's one thing on my bucket list. Uh, if I had an official bucket list, if you want to call it that, um, was just to get some answers. You know, I think for me, it'd be like, you know, dude, what, what in you, you know, what in you possessed you to just leave and to not even think really twice about leaving? And sure, he might have thought about me throughout his life. He might have, you know, maybe I was his one regret or whatever. I don't know. I really don't know. But I always wonder, like, what what causes a person to to do that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, because it's I I leave for a couple of days. I mean, and I'm like, missing my daughter. I'm missing my wife. Uh, I, you know, it's like when I have to go out places and, and speak or whatever for a week and I'm gone for a week. It's like, man that's I, i'm like i'm missing them and i can't imagine just leaving walking away altogether. um so i don't know i don't know what that's like i knew that you know i knew early on that uh i wanted to do things differently than what my dad had done i knew early on that i wanted to um really be a father when i became a father much more than my dad has and i feel like i have to a certain extent obviously a lot of the things quote unquote that came with manhood i had to learn either through magazines or videos or through other young men or young boys if you will uh trying to figure out what manhood meant and they were also reading a prescribed notation of what a man should be and how a man should be acting and how a man should live his life right i think those are explorations that are well worth the uh, exploration but so much that we as men especially those of us uh who have grown up in gen x and and for that for that part you know millennials as well i don't want to just leave them out like they all they got they escaped any of this i think toxic masculinity is all around us uh it is it is especially pervasive um and apparent in christian circles um, I think Christian circles continue to propagate a very sexist uh, attitude towards women, um, you know, through sexuality, through uh, uh, marriage and, you know, all those different things. I mean, and so, you know, I've, I've come through that and, said, and, and I'm still shedding a lot of that toxic masculinity, that ideology that surrounds it and the theology for that matter. You know, a man should be the head of his household. A man should be this a man should be that i do think there are things about adulthood that come together but that you know i can talk about that maybe in, in, in a different in a different light outside of gender um or sexuality right and so 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's um, I I, I do, man. I I when it comes to fatherdom, I I think I'm a great father to my daughter. I you can ask her, you know what she thinks, but I think I'm a pretty good father to her. We hang out a lot. I love the card, the handwritten card she wrote me today. Um, you know, and for a lot of us, there are no there are no uh, right manuals i think the manuals we've had are examples some of us have had great examples that you know what it means to be a father you know i i know that i know that there's a lot of folks who you know ha still have their fathers living their dads living and you know they're able to look to them and 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 see you know what they did and how they did and, you know and so for me i just i haven't had that i haven't i haven't had that engagement uh, with a parent parental figure uh, for a long time if i'm going to be brutally honest um and i love my mom to death um and you know you've heard me heard heard me talk about her on my show as well i mean i i love her i i definitely do um i think you know i think when i turned 18 and when i it was almost as if my mom said man whew, all right I got you through this. You're alive at 18. I right, go work. And I did. I did when went, went out and work. I still remember that conversation I had with my mom, you know, about, you know, it was like, you know, a month out of my graduate high school graduation. And I'm, you know, sitting at home playing Super NES, right? Um, and my mom was like, look, you got two choices. You gotta either go to school or you gotta go get a job. You just can't keep doing what you're doing right now. You know, and I heated that. I went out and got a job, went out and you know started working blue collar work and you know it was good for a long time um and so my mom had a role to fulfill because she too had been brought up on toxic masculinity and toxic toxic parenting strategies i think you know i, I and, and not that my mom again was a bad mother but none of us is perfect and i know that even with my daughter i know my daughter's probably gonna have to go to therapy with stuff right and i gotta be able to accept that i think those are the things that you know no one really t talks to you about or no one really has a conversation with you about about you know what what happens when you when, when you feel like man I've, I've messed up you know I've, i messed up you know how does a man say they are sorry right and like really mean it without saying the oh but you know oh but you know this this and that like really apologizing and then really actually changing the behavior because that's the that's the bigger thing it's like this apology is one thing but then have you actually changed the offending behavior the offending uh issue uh that's there and i don't necessarily think that that always happens well and especially as men we haven't been taught that um and i know it's 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 gotten somewhat better that we can you know as men we can at least at least my generation as a mid 40 something guy i can at least admit i need help and go and get that help um uh, i know previous generations weren't able to do that i know that you know the uncles that i grew up with and that the the men that were supposed to be quote unquote the the men or the father figures in my life right because that's the other things right they you know people see a single mom raising a young boy and a lot of people especially with toxic masculinity notions uh will think oh this is going to be something wrong with this with this guy uh, if he doesn't have a man, a real man in his life, uh, you know, and then that gets into sexual orientation, right? Because then, you know, if he turns out gay, it's your fault. 
And that's like a double negative, right? It's like, whoa, wait a minute. What's wrong with being gay? First of all, second of all, um, what, what, what gives you that notion that a woman is going to somehow carry off and give off this aura of gayness? Uh, it was, it, and you know what I'm saying? I mean, and that's, and that's the thing, right? It's like, it's like the old notion that says, oh, you hit or throw like a girl. You know, it's, it's this, it's this notion that, you know, women are somehow less than men and it's in, and and whether it's given to you blatantly or whether it's given to you, you know, from a side, you know, comment like that, um, that's still projecting that toxic masculinity. And these are some of the things too, that I try to work with, you know, raising a young girl who, uh, you know, is 12 years old and going on 13 and going into the seventh grade, you know, how do we not body shame as men? Cause we were always taught as men, like, oh, see, you know, look at what she's wearing. Look, look, look at what she's dressed as. Uh-huh. See, and I want to make sure I don't do that. I don't want to, I want to make sure I don't continue that, that, that toxic legacy. So those are challenges, right? All these little things, you know, in regards to fatherhood and being a dad, uh, and not ever having really, well, not ever, not ever really, but ever having a strong father example, um, you know, as a scholar, I've read a lot of different things about fatherdom and fatherhood and all that good stuff. But, you know, what are the examples? Who have I seen? I've seen pretty shitty examples of what fathers uh, should be, uh, particularly, in, you know, the ones that exist in, in my uh, in my immediate family. Um, I haven't necessarily seen really good dads. Um, you know, they hang around. They may, they may be around, but it doesn't necessarily make them the great examples. Right. And if I'm being brutally honest, I don't necessarily want to uh, emulate any of my immediate families, uh, the fathers that I see in them. And that's not to knock on my family. That's not, you know, you family member listening right now. I mean, that's not to knock on anyone um, outside of my mom, though. I'm really not that close to anybody in my family. I don't get it. I don't have cousins I can just call up. I don't have brothers or sisters. I don't have aunties and uncles. My mom is the only direct connection I have with the Mexican side of my family. And because I don't know my dad's side, I don't know anybody on that side. So in, in many ways, I feel orphanated um, in that regard. So, y'all, I tell you, some days it's like, woo. And for a long time, I didn't hold resentment about not being around a father figure because I felt like, well, you know, I, I just didn't know him. You know, it's not like with some young cats that... You know, you have the dad coming around and 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 then and then the lying, like say, hey, I'll be there tomorrow, and then never shows up, or it's just a half-assed dad. My dad was just never present ever. Um, you know, and the few interactions we did have were, like I said, eight years old is a long time ago. Eighty-two is a long time ago, and so um, to to think that that you know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I just haven't had necessarily, I haven't had a positive or negative. And I think as I reflect now that I'm older, I'm just like, again, for me, I just want to know some answers. I'm like, why did you leave? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with me, but I'd like to know, like, what were the mechanics that went on in your mind to think that that was okay? You know, those are the things I'd like to ask him. Like, you know, what, where have you been like this whole time? Like, you know, does it ever pop into your mind? Like if, if he's still alive and that's the other side, that's the other side of it. It's like, you know, health wise, I don't even know what I don't and do have. 
what I'm saying? So, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, because I don't know, I hear some of you right now talking, I'm like, well, why don't you go do the DNA thing? You know, that they'll show you real quick. Look, as a black man, I ain't gonna front. I don't, I don't trust them. Most of those DNA tests, it's been shown over and over and over that those places give up that DNA uh, to federal authorities. Like, they don't even, at a, dime, a drop of a dime, and I don't necessarily trust what they're gonna be doing with my DNA. I really don't. I know, some of y'all be like, oh, that's conspiracy. Absolutely. Absolutely, freaking lootly, but I, I am not a fan of the current DNA. I know, I know there's a couple of black specific uh, places that I'm looking into. They're expensive as hell, but, um, you know, some, I think it's African ancestry or something like that, that I'm looking into, um, you know, to get some DNA tests that they, you know, they have a little bit more, um, paperwork around what they do with your DNA and, and whatnot rather than, but I don't necessarily trust ancestry.com as much i'm sure there's some stuff there um but i just don't you know i'm i'm very careful with who i just put stuff out like that and that's just me you know what i'm saying that's just me wow a lot of stuff to process hmm well let's take a listen to some perspectives here what do other people think about father's day There are so many things that you can say about what does it mean to be a father or a dad. Um, I'm sure so many people will highlight all the uh, intricacies and uh, technicalities of fatherhood and uh, being a dad. But for me, man, through my life, the things that I've experienced and my own father, uh, becoming a father and being a dad for me, if I could sum it up real briefly, it's really about being present. And for me, through the people that I pastor, the people that I come into contact with, through experiences of my friends and my own experience, the thing that has been the most hurtful has been when a father is not present. Um, and that could be whether they are just maybe old school working, 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 and not present when they're home, or actually not being present, um, physically uh, present. And so for me, I just, I've tried to strive to be present with, with my girls, with my daughters, to make sure that they knew that I was there, to be present with them when I'm home, um, trying not to miss events, trying to make sure that they know that they felt, uh, that know that they were supported, and to really feel that they were supported. So for me, that's about it. Um, if, I, if I could sum it up into one word, being a dad is really about being present through the good, through the bad, through the tears, through the frustration, through the whole thing, man, just about being present. What does Father's Day mean to me? It's a day of phone calls. I have only one mother, but she's certainly given me quite a few fathers. <laughs> My biological father, I haven't called him yet. Um, I don't think I will. He's in Dominican Republic, and I don't think it's Father's Day over there, and I wonder if he even knows what day it is. Um, he barely remembers who I am, so in some ways I feel like I have already lost him. Um, so that's, that's sad, <laughs> I guess. 
um, the dad who raised me. I just talked to him just now. And um, he's in his late 80s. And um, it was a melancholy phone call. Um, he has several adult children. I'm the youngest. Um, and it seems like I'm probably the only one who called him today. Um, so he sounded very sad um, and this feeling like like he's leaving soon. So it's, it's a very strange feeling um, to hear him so sad. He's been always so so upbeat and always giving me strength and and supporting me. He might not have been a great companion to my mother, um, but he certainly was a very good father to me growing up. Um, so I will always be forever grateful in his role in making me the woman that I am today. Um, and my, the father of my adulthood, he was the first person that I called today. Um, I, I am, he's probably been the longest in my life as a father figure. He is a friend. Um, we're very close. Um, and he is always thinking about other people more than he's thinking about himself. I worry because as I keep talking to him uh, lately, he only thinks about making sure that we're all safe, that we will have what we need when he's no longer around. Again, I, it's a day of thankfulness, but it's also a day of realizing that our time on earth is very short and we need to be very grateful for the people that have been in our life, whether they're fathers, mothers, friends, chosen family. So that's what Father's Day means to me. since you did ask me that question, I would answer it in two phases. The first phase would be um, what it means to be a dad while I was working. Um, I think what it meant to me was just, I, I don't think I know what it meant uh, to a degree. It meant doing some providing, playing, um, hanging out, being present, blah, blah, blah. 2017, June 28th, I quit. 
and became a stay-at-home dad for a host of reasons that I'm not going to get into right now. But what I will say is um, that was a camp of stripping away, I think is probably the best way to put it. Um, what I'm aware of, at least my experience has been, that are, are that kids feed no ego. Uh, they only know take, because that's just, they're kids, they're babies, they, they, they need. Um, and that's just what they need. And so, what I'm aware of is that they helped me realize that I am not my persona. I can tell you what I think I am. I can tell you what I think I believe. And then once all that is stripped away, suddenly I'm faced with me. And what I learned is, is I'm, I'm genuinely not my job. Um, I'm not my job. And it took leaving my job to realize that, and it took leaving my job to um, have probably a healthier sense of myself. In some ways. Uh, so there's that. Now, what I want is for my kids. Uh, I have two boys and I have a daughter. I want all of them to see that a strong man can stay home and that a strong man can stay home for a time frame and go back to work. That a strong man can cuddle and nurture and put band-aids and kiss boo-boos and that same strong man can defend vigilantly his children. Uh, and that they are still one and the same, a strong man. Uh, that a strong man supports his queen. Uh, that a strong man, hopefully, that's, that's how I'm hoping my wife and my kids would say, like, you, you, you served our family. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what my kids see. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about our family. So as you can see, there, there are a lot of different, you know, interpretations of fatherdom um, as being a dad, what that means. Um, I think, I think that, you know, as, as it relates to manliness we again i mean i think it's a complex thing because i think a lot of us still take our direction or still take our our our, our guidance from what we've seen and what we've um what we picked up on and so you know and you, and you can't disassociate completely from that i mean i know for me it's like i've had to completely re reevaluate what does it mean to be a a dad in who is aware of intersectionality and the the you know the the foundations of racism in a white supremacist society like <laughs> all those things there we're on the we're on the precipice of what a society could look like 
without those things. I think we're, you know, but we haven't figured it out yet. It's one of those things, right? Like I've said before, or that Dr. Robin Espinosa talked about is that, you know, we're building the plane as we're flying. We're already at cruising altitude, but we're still trying to build the plane. And that's one of those things that we're, that are that's still getting constructed. Right. Um, because then what does that mean then for non-binary folks? What does that mean for, uh, you know, folks who are in a relationship, you know, who are of the same gender or same sex? I mean, so um, what does that mean for folks who are polygamous or who are, who are polyamorous? Excuse me. Um, you know, what is it? And what is, you know, and how does that then get defined for folks who say, I don't I don't want a kid. I don't want a kid. I don't I don't, I don't really have any, any old contentions. And we and we see that in the numbers. We know that that, you know, family sizes are getting smaller and smaller. Um, you know, if you anywhere in and around admissions and counseling and uh, and college uh, areas, you know, already know that, you know, the populations of, of students are, are getting smaller. They're dwindling. They've been going down since about 2011, 2012. So um, it'll be interesting, you know, like what that what the next generation sees as parenting. Some people say, look, you know, we got too much to figure out as, as, as an environment for us to, you know, go have more kids. Um, I know my wife and I, you know, we both had one, you know, she came from a family of three. I only came from a family of one. Um, but I know my mom always wanted more kids. Uh, she was from a family of uh, five. Let's see. Four. Excuse me. Think about that for a minute. Uh, and so, you know, and then families, of course, but prior to that, um, you know, they were big. They were big. So, uh, yeah. All those things I think matter. All those things I think come into play um, when we start thinking about what does it mean? How do we live those things out? What are the what are the gendered scripts that we have? What are the social scripts that we have um, when it when it comes to you know what I always say when the rubber meets the road because it's one thing to say something um, when everything's green and tidy. Like it's one thing to say uh, something at church or in a sermon, but when the rubber meets the road. This recently happened uh, in a dialogue uh, that my wife had with another friend, you know, in regards to, you know, marriage and quote unquote infidelity and, you know, who gets a divorce, who doesn't get a divorce. Right. When those issues hit home, what do you really think? What do you really think? And then how do you characterize, quote unquote, the other person, the other woman? Oh, is she a Jezebel? Is she, you know, a harlot? Is she just a straight slut? You know, do we ever put anything back on the men? You know, like I said, you know, churches are incubators for sexism. They are they are places that just breed this type of stuff, which is what makes church such a dangerous and volatile place to be in and around because those ideologies are flowing all over the goddamn place. Right. <laughs> um. Now, I'm not saying we do away with church. I'm not saying we do away with religion altogether, but it, it, this is where I think, I don't, I don't know if there's enough bandwidth for folks to just to completely change, right? Because we do have these notions of what a man should be and how they should look like and what they, what kind of tasks they should take on. And if they don't, they get labeled, right? Soft, pussy, fairy, Fag. I mean, all these negative things, right? That no one, male, female, non-binary, all of us, no one wants to be in, right? No one wakes up in the morning saying, oh, 
Yeah, I want to be just a, 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 a punk ass today. I, I, I like that. I, I would hope somebody calls me a sorry ass bitch today, right? No one wakes up saying that. Um. So I, yeah, I'm. I, I we to unravel that, and especially in a church setting where there's always the fallback of, well, this is what the scripture says. This is what God wants, and God is a he, <laughs> right? Um, when you're the, when God is your own gender, I mean, it's just like, God damn, you know, shit. So, okay. I think the most important factor about being a dad is realizing that your kids really don't belong to you. They belong to God and you have them on loan and your job is not to mess them up. <laughs> um, and we're here to love on them unconditionally and to help guide them in a way that they become all of who they were crafted to be. Uh, helping them to live fearlessly, uncover their, their passions and their talents, uh, to be leaders in their own right in whatever way that looks for them, uh, to be independent and make their decisions, to feel comfortable with coming to us as fathers with whatever's on their mind, no matter how they think we may perceive it or how we may feel, um, and just loving on them. And I think that's what being a dad is its mostly about. Uh, it's knowing that you're going to get it wrong sometimes. It's understanding that you will learn as much from your children as they will learn from you. It is watching a mini you grow up, um, seeing how powerful DNA is, just different quirks and mannerisms and ways of being that you know they picked up from you or they picked up from their mom and, and watching that and admiring it. It is just having the opportunity to watch someone grow from this itty bitty baby to uh, phenomenal human beings. It's one of the greatest jobs and privileges I've ever had in life. Um, and as they get older, I think it becomes more about being a counselor and just being a sounding board when they need it and being supportive in whatever way they need. Um, and just allowing them and teaching them how to be free in all of who they are, I think is what's most important. And to me, that's what being a dad is about. You know, there's the going to the parks. There is, I have girls, so it's braiding hair. It's going to gymnastics. It is getting on roller coasters. It is dancing silly in the night. It is playing with Play-Doh. It is doing art projects and Lego and taking care of dogs and putting together rooms and fixing problems and kissing boo-boos. It is, it is all of those things. Um, but it's, it's just about meshing with another person who's part of you, half of you. And knowing that part of you, even when you're gone, will continue to live on. And I think that's what um, being a dad is all about. And I've been blessed to have some wonderful fathers in my life and some great men who are also fathers that I watch how they parent their children. And I admire so much and I learn and I pick up tips from them as I go along on this journey. And I'm thankful to have them with me as well. Uh, and so I wish everyone happy Father's Day. Thank you.
man, you got me thinking, dude. Um, I think most of what I've thought about being a dad has been intuitive, um, just just experiential, something you don't sit down and write about all the time. So, um, yeah. So first of all, I think uh, it's important to note my context: cis male married to a cis female. Um, and I don't want to put something on them yet. Uh, so this is mostly internal what I'm going to say next, but I, I do think that at this point, my five-year-old and my eight-year-old are cis males as well, um, but we'll see. Um, so uh, at the center, man, I think what it means to be a dad is about love and how that love is expressed, lived out, understood um, and at the at the center of that is uh, modeling behavior for them how do I love them well how do I receive love from my dad how do I love my wife um, so I love them by modeling love the, to the best of my ability and then part of that is also getting my stuff straight. Uh, mind, body, spirit, going to therapy, um, being uh, taking care of my physical body, what I put in it and how I talk to them about it, taking care of my relationships, um, how am I loving the other. Uh, modeling is, yeah, at the center of, of love for me, um, including loving my wife. Um, uh, as a woman, she, uh, we've been working through um, just uh, patriarchy and empowerment, and and I think that uh, that if I model um, empowerment and development, um, then they're gonna always see um, good sacrifice, loving sacrifice. But at the same time, as racial minority and immigrant. Um, getting away from a sacrifice paradigm, modeling that, modeling uh, development um, and empowerment um, at the center of how do we seek out shalom. Uh, as a family, we, we do talk about shalom all the time, the way things should be and nothing missing, nothing broken as a, as a pursuit, pursuit of equity. Um, so yeah, uh, I just hear myself even as I talk to you, uh, how much modeling uh, means to me in, in training them up. Um, because uh, as an immigrant, legacy means a ton. And um, you know, living life carefree in, in a positive way, carefree is, is really good. Um, something as a three on the Enneagram I need to lean into more, but, uh, but when it comes to legacy uh, and what, what am I leaving my kids, grandkids, and, and in my deathbed, hopefully late, late in life, close to 100 maybe even, um, what am I leaving them as far as um, how invested I invested in loving them, keeping a collective uh, financial, um, leaving behind um, finances, etc. I, I just think of it as a holistic approach.
to uh, modeling. I want to model mind development. I want to model body development, which to me, body or physical is also cultural, financial, etc., and then spiritual. Because um, I do want them to deconstruct uh, the least that they need to. Um, and I know that's very one-sided because they will have to deconstruct my generation's um, legacy to them, spiritual, spiritually speaking. Uh, but I also feel like a, a big responsibility of mine as a dad is um, to make sure that they need to heal the least. Um, and, uh, and I know that whatever, whoever I am, uh, influences the context that they live in, the context that they take into their identities. So deconstructing and healing, um, huge. Um, but yeah, the more I talk, the more I, I find myself talking about love and modeling in a holistic way um, that influences the context that we live in, with whether that's our home, our neighborhood, our relationships, our city. Um, so yeah, man, uh, I guess I'll sum it up one more time by just saying that um, I have to be the best me in order to love them and our collective the best I can. Uh, if I can do that, um, then I think I'm, I'm being a good dad. Oh, man. So there's some things that I think we have to uncover and un unravel before we before we even start to get into bed with um, what does it mean to be this man? What does it mean to be, you know, because we'll just pass on some of the same things that we learn. And, and again, I'm not saying we have to be perfect. Please don't hear that. Please don't hear that. I am not saying that we have to have everything figured out because none of us do, um, you know, and those who have become fathers have maybe come at it that was planned my wife and i planned it but you know i had my first kid when i was 19 all right and the young lady was 18 and i can i can tell you right now if the young lady had kept that baby she didn't um i i wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now i wouldn't and I don't necessarily know how to think about that because I I, 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 I love my life right now. I like where I'm at. Um, but I know 19 year old Dan would have buckled down. I would have done, you know, been working. I probably would have ended up marrying her. We weren't necessarily in love. Um, and it would have been one of those, you know, the kid would have come up in a really rough situation, which a lot of Right, a lot of folks find themselves in. It's like, hey, we're just having a good time, and all of a sudden, whoop, 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 a little something gets past the goalie, and bam, a kid is now involved. Um, I knew even at that point, um, I didn't want to be my dad. I wasn't just gonna leave. I wasn't gonna be like, well, is it mine? So, I, I, I wouldn't be here. I would, I would still, and this is, and this is where I feel like, man, I don't know what to think about that because. And, you know, and just and for those of you, just, just be clear, I am definitely pro-choice. All right. So let's just let's just be clear on that. I 
Uh, there are so many things involved in that, and I think I'd like to do an episode on, you know, abortion and all that and, and whatnot. But it, it, in my opinion, I am I am pro women, pro choice. Uh, we cannot dictate what a woman does with her body. Um, so I'll just let me just ma- let me just make that clear, <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, and you can at me with all the ethical things, and you know what? I will come right back at you because most of the people who bring those type of things up, you know, are still wrapped up with all lives matter, and you know, we're blue lives matter, or you know, all of us matter in this world. It's like, you know, those are all nice things to think about, but in reality, there are a lot of different reasons why someone would get an abortion. So, again, um, we can have an episode on them, maybe that'll be a great start to season four. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know the reality of it is is that yes you know there uh, uh, uh that i i should have a 20 something plus year old or uh, roaming the earth right now and again my life would be different i would have stayed in that community i would have stayed uh locked up in a colonized mindset i probably would have fell deeper into church and religiosity because when you're in those environments uh those things happen and so you know i I cannot say that I would be where I'm at right now. I just can't because I don't think I would. In fact, I know I wouldn't. I would be, I can't say I'd be living my best life. And that's not to say anyone out there, I'm not judging anybody, I'm talking about myself. If that's you in that situation and you found yourself in that, man, I'm sure you got a story. You know, tell me what it's about. Send me a little notice and tell me what it was about. I think that growing up you know and even the girl i was with at the time even said she said you know what we're gonna have we're gonna have a kid before we (laughs) before we even think about like marriage or anything like that what are you talking about man you know because you know those things come up right it's like oh you're gonna get married you're gonna get married i don't think that everybody who has sex should be getting married i i just don't i mean i think there there are those those environments where that's just it you're just having sex i mean I was not, you know, my mom at the time worked at a freaking drug clinic, for God's sakes. I had access to condoms. It's, it, it, yeah, it's just one of those things. So it's just like, yeah, I, I probably would have maybe just now been thinking about going back to school. But with a kid, right? Oh, well, and at this point, an adult, I mean, what, what does that look like? So again, man, that being a dad, right? And, having a kid in in the in the realm of marriage right is different because people expect it people want it uh people you know just you know they will look at that but you know my wife and i have made specific decisions to only have one um and i know that too has become a problem well you're not gonna have more that's one of the one name one question i get you know all the time i go out you're not gonna have more kids you don't want more kids like uh no (laughs) nah um but it's interesting. I mean, I think, uh, again, with the definitions of being what a dad is, I think, you know, um, I think comedians can get it. Uh, I think there's there are comedians who out there who have, you know, picked up on what being a father is. So, hey, well, here, let's take a take a listen to what a couple of comedians think about what being a dad is. And I tried to get home before 11, because that's when my father had me be home by 11. My father was one of them 11 o'clock niggas. Say, say, where you going, Richard? Say, huh? Well, nigga, you ain't asked nobody because you go no place. What the fuck, you a man now, nigga? Get a job, that's what you 
I don't give a fuck where you go be, be home by 11. You understand 11, don't you, nigga? You can tell time, can't you? What's that clock say in the kitchen, nigga? The clock, motherfucker, what's the clock say? 11 o'clock, bring your ass here. I don't mean down the street singing with them niggas either. I ain't getting your ass out of jail no more, motherfucker. That's right. Bring me back a paper. <laughs> right? And you go out, nothing start happening until 1130. Right? All the dudes be just standing around and shit. I say, what you waiting on, man? 1130. We're going to pitch a bitch at 1130. I'd have to get home, man, with my blue nuts all that. Oh, oh, God. You don't get home. Nigga, I thought I told you to be home by 11. I don't want to hear that shit. I'm going to kick your ass. Can I jack off first? Then my pops will start talking. And my pops will be fucked up every 4th of July, man, every cookout. Black men like to claim the house when they're drunk. Men, period, I think, man, like to just claim their house. They want you to know if you drunk and if they drunk and you in their house, that is their house. My father will stand up in the middle of the cookout and say, it's my house. No, it is, and if you don't like it, you get the fuck out. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I pay the motherfucking bills in this motherfucker. And hey, kiss my ass if you don't like it. Yes. Yes, motherfucker, yes. But you know what it is? You know what it is? I'm drunk, so what? Beautiful, I'm drunk. I'm drunk, so what? I'm drunk. You know what? I got drunk in my motherfucking kitchen. I, I was drinking out of my glass in my motherfucking house. So fuck it. Then he attacked the whole family, right? He said, Gus, Gus, can I ask a question? Come here. Let me ask a question, Gus. Gus, let me ask you a question. Gus, why is the fire so big? Why do you make the fire so big? Gus, look at that shit. It's a motherfucking ridiculous, Gus. The fire's too motherfucking big. Why? You come in here every motherfucking year, Gus, and you burn down my motherfucking backyard. Why? I'm cooking motherfucking hamburgers in French. I'm not cooking the motherfucking Brontosaurus burger in this motherfucker. This ain't the motherfucking Flintstones, Gus. My house, motherfucker. Look at Charlie standing over there with third degree burns on him. Eating a motherfucking Frank. It doesn't make sense, no, but you take things too far, Gus. You take things too far. I tell you, go an inch, you go three inches. I tell you, go four inches, you go five. Give a nigga rope, you want to be a cowboy, Gus. Why don't you listen? Oh, Eddie, get that motherfucking dog away from my plate. I'm going to shoot this dog. I'm going to shoot the motherfucker. Shut up. I'm going to shoot it. Stop crying. Stop crying, Eddie, because you can get the fuck out. You can get the fuck I know you're seven. I know you're seven. But you'll be a seven-year-old walking the dog, no house motherfucker. You know what it is? Because it's mine, motherfucker. I hate this motherfucking dog. Because you ask it for the dog, you don't spend time with the dog, Eddie. You don't feed the motherfucker. You don't pet it. You don't even know what the fuck the dog's name is anymore, do you? The dog don't give a fuck. He don't know his name. The dog is three years old. Don't know his name. Watch this. Coco, where the fuck is it going? The dog's stupid because you don't spend time with the motherfucker. And I'm supposed to work hard all day. I come home and feed the motherfucking dog. Fuck no, I'm not feeding the motherfucker. You know what I do? When nobody's home, nobody's home, you know what I do? I go up to the dog and I kick the motherfucker. 
I kick the motherfucker with everything I got at it. And then I giggle my motherfucking ass off. Because I hate the motherfucker. But you don't clean up behind it. Why can't you clean up the motherfucking... This ain't Scooby-Doo, motherfucker. Why can't you clean the dog? The dog shits all over the house. If no one tells you, Eddie, you don't clean the shit. You let the shit stay forever. It's shit that been in the den for six months, Eddie. It's been in the den for six months. Your kids go past it, you act like you don't see it. And unless you're told, you won't clean the shit. The shit is hard as a rock now. It's like motherfucking furniture in there. I went in last week to watch the fights. I said, fuck it, I put my drink on top of it, Eddie. It's a coffee table now. Why can't you clean up shit? My friends come over and say, oh, that's lovely. I said, that's not lovely, it's a piece of shit. The hardest thing about having kids is just the, all the, it's just the days that you spend with them. That's really the hardest part. It's just every day that you have them is the hardest part of having kids. It's just every day. It's getting up at six o'clock in the morning, which first of all, I'm not that guy. Six o'clock in the morning, I have blown off entire careers because of one day I didn't want to get out of bed. Like, oh, I'll just not be that then. I have to, first of all, I gotta get them dressed. That's number one, because that's the one that people will notice. That's the only one. If that's the only one that I get done, I'll be okay. Because I, I can't, if I show up with a two naked kids, I'll go to jail. So I have to, but I can not feed them. They know they're fine. I ate. They're just a little tired. It's fine. And then I got to get them to school, which means walking. The, the older one goes to kindergarten. It's third grade. Jesus Christ. I just said kindergarten. She's in third grade. You know what's even worse? She's not, she's in the second grade. <laughs> Every day you spend with your kids is torture. And it's because I love them. If I didn't love them, I, would, I wouldn't matter. I just play poker with my friends, come home later, oh, they're dead. But I love them. I, uh, I wiped my daughter's ass for the last time on May 13th of 2008. And I remember this moment because it was a big moment in my life. Because when you have children, they start as babies and they shit all over the place. But then finally they can, they can use the toilet, but they can't wipe their ass. So you have to wipe their ass. That's the last thing you do for your kid that's like an intimate bathroom thing is wipe their ass. And, I, and one day it stops. And I remember the day. Uh, I said the date, but I, I don't remember it now because I'm lying. Uh, but um, because I, I, I had always wiped her ass all that time, and it, it's just a thing you do. I didn't even think about it. I said, Daddy, I need a wipe. And then I come in, I'm on the phone, like, yeah, fine, okay. So, anyway, so I wiped her ass one day, and she said, thank you very much, Daddy. And I was like, that was a little too eloquent, a thank you for somebody who I just wiped shit out of her asshole. I want to hear like, Tanke Dada. I don't, I don't want to hear like, that was, that was very gracious of you, Father. I, you know what I hate about Asian parents? They're so honest. Like, they, they have no filter, they have no editing system. Whatever they think, they say. This is my dad. Good morning, Dad. You look ugly today. <laughs> you look horrible. Don't go outside. You are ugly. You made me, motherfucker. 
when I was in high school, I used to bring girls into my house, right? I would introduce them to my dad. My dad would tell them stories about me, like secrets, like dark shit. Hey dad, this is Stephanie. When Bobby was a little kid, he ate the dog poop in the front lawn. I said, hey, don't eat that. He said, I only had one piece. <laughs> nice to meet you, you know. <laughs> he still does it today. Hey, Dad, this is Cindy. When we lived in Minnesota, Bob was molested by a retarded guy. <laughs> I said, how did he get molested by a retard? I don't know. <laughs> yes, I was molested. Do you know why? I love candy. Whew. Man. That's, a, that's brutal. Oh, man. The great thing about comedy is that good comedians know how to interweave and nuance truth, real life, and satire. Um, you know, it's been said that, you know, good comedians are able to take what passes through all of our minds every day, pluck it out, and really be able to kind of show it to us and be like, have you seen this? Um... You know, and I specifically had all men just because I wanted to kind of, well, Richard Pryor, when you think about Richard Pryor, just, you know, he's, he's been such a legend for so many comics. Uh, when you think about uh, Eddie Murphy, you know, he and Eddie Murphy was inspired by, inspired by Richard Pryor. Um, and you think about Bobby Lee, which is the last comic, um, you know, well, and then of course, um, um, uh, Louis, Louis C.K. was in there as well, talking about his kids. And so all of these folks have had, their problems. <laughs> they have had their issues with parenting kids. You can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go on YouTube right now. You can go on YouTube right now and, you know, and look up, um, you know, Richard Pryor's kids and they'll give an honest reflection about what it meant to be, you know, a kid um, living with somebody that famous with that much money. Um, yeah, all of that mess, man, that stuff is, that's no joke. And I, and, and again, comedians, I wanted to do the comedians specifically because with comedians such as the four that I've shown you, they won their renown for knowing about their brutal honesty and being able to be transparent up on stage, which makes them amazingly entertaining, but also doesn't necessarily make for always a great offstage life. Now, I don't know any of them. I don't know any of them personally. I don't hang out with them. So I'm, I'm, I'm going off of what research and what other folks have said about them as being fathers, right. And being, being dads and whatnot. Um, but the folks who have really dealt with stuff in life and then put it out on stage, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's yin and yang. Um, and that's where I, for me, I think, you know, cause so often we hear these things about particularly fatherhood and we got all these books and I resisted putting Bill Cosby on here just cause, Oh man, all the stuff that went on with Bill Cosby. But the reality of it is that he has a whole bunch. I got a book on fatherhood being a father by Bill Cosby written. It was bestseller, national bestseller. Um, so what advice do you take? Right. It's like, as a dad, like, man, you got this, you got that. And then you got this, this, these books and, 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 and strategies that really pit us as men to be, they, we have to be these perfect vessels in order to be a dad, but you know, you're not going to be a perfect vessel. So how do you deal with that fucked upness? And I don't necessarily always have the answer for that. Again, not growing up without a strong male role model. I sought that out in other men 
or other folks I perceive to be as men. Um, you know, and it looked differently every single time. I, I know by the time I got to my adult life, um, you know, and having a mentor, uh, you know, it was cool as long as I was looking up to that mentor and following his lead. But the minute I started having thoughts and the minute I started having my own mindset in that, it was difficult for him to let go. And to for our relationship to transition to the to whatever the next level, whatever the next stage is going to be. You know, it's just like I don't engage with my daughter right now the same way I engaged with her when she was four. Right. Um, and all relationships change. And I think that's part of the problem with just anything that has to do with parenting or mentoring and whatnot is allowing those folks who that we have raised or that we have helped through allowing them to be themselves and allowing them to be who they are to be, um, even when they fuck up. Right. Cause it's like, listen to these comedians. It's like, man, there's the, yeah, man, this is brutal. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the personal lives and stuff that's happened in their own lives, but there's still some truth to what they're saying. So what can we extract from that satirically? What can we subtract, subtract from that, you know, about being a dad? I mean, you know, some of these stories are very much true. Right. And it's like, Whoa, this is some this is some rough stuff so it's not for me it's 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 wrestling with the it's not always one end and then the other and what i mean by that it's that it's it you can't be a perfect person and just because somebody is a complete asshole <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't some good it's almost the darth vader effect right it's like you got all this stuff with darth vader and shit happening and he's doing all kind of crazy stuff and then at the very end his son tells him, right, there's still good in you. And the good eventually comes out, right? Um, I don't think that's always the case. I know my grandfather, that wasn't the case for him for most of his life, you know. And oftentimes it takes death to figure out, like, what is, to what is, re what really means something, right? I think that that's, that's part of it. Part of it is, is that you, we, how, what am I trying to say? I think part of it is, is that when folks are alive and when we're alive, you know, it's easy. It's, it's, it's like the old saying says it's, it, you can't see the forest for the trees or you can't see the trees for the forest. So, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, guess what? It, it posthumously, it, it's easy to look back. And so you know, my grandfather, you know, he was abusive. He he did cheat on, you know, my grandmother. He was, and this is my biological grandfather. Again, if you want to know the difference between my biological grandmother and the woman that I called my grandmother, Dee Dee, um, go back, listen to episode one. It's all explained there. Um, and I, he wasn't an example, you know, for me. And we made our peace before he died. Um, but I can't say, and that was great, right? That's where most movies end. But I think, you know, we don't live a life of a movie, you know, when the movie ends and the two people walk off and things have worked out, you know, our lives continue on past the credits. And that for me is part of where I'm trying to find my own engagement with being a dad without having seen my dad. And at the same time, being a, a person who is wounded and, and dealing with that. Um, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm able to see God more as a woman than as a man. Because, again, it's difficult for me to even see a father, like what a father is. 
um, hugging uh, another man and, and saying, I love you, man. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, in, in that way, like in, as a father, you know, I just, cause I don't, I don't, I don't have that. I haven't had that. And it's awkward at times to, to be around that when people are referencing it, like I should know it. Right. And it's oftentimes difficult to go online and social media and hear, oh, my dad is great. And they did this and this and that. And I get it. That's just part of social media. I get that, which is why I try to try to stay off social media in particular, because um, it, yet you know, it, you, you, it, I don't know. I, it's my ongoing, you know, love, hate relationship with social media in, in general, but in particularly on holidays and stuff like this, I just, I tend to not post much. Um, or read much just cause it, 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 you know, it's just, it's just something's brutal, man. I mean, you know, especially on father's day. Um, and when you think about it again, and I really do mean what I said prior that, you know, the only family I keep in touch with is my mom. Um, and that I really stay connected with. Um, and you know, that, that wears on you after a while. Cause I've always wanted to be like part of, part of it is, is that I, I didn't have the stereotypical Latinx family growing up i didn't have the stereotypical black family growing up i didn't have cousins i didn't have uh uh, brothers and sisters and i didn't have these big family gatherings i always wanted that i always wanted that engagement i always wanted that i always wanted that going to school and being like oh my older brother oh my older cousin did this i never got that And I thought, oh, man, by getting married, you know, we'll have like four or five kids and I'll just create that. You know, and after one, it's kind of like, oh, we're good. (laughs) We're good. I'm good. I'm good with all that. So uh, it, yo, I mean, it's it. Those are the things for me as I think about just family in general. And I'm happy as hell with my family of three. You know, like today we went out, we hung out, did a bowling. Um and hung out as a family. That is awesome. That is great. I love that. And I'm going to continue to do the, do stuff like that. We are a family. It's the desire of what I thought family should be. And especially growing up, right? The nuclear family, um, the father in the home, uh, it was just different. And so I've, I don't feel, I know my life has been different. And I think I feel like part of my own therapeutic process has been to accept where I am as a man, where I have been as a person and accept that rather than trying to fight against it. Cause when I've tried to be quote unquote normal or look like the other person or look like what I perceive to be normal, it goes shitty quick. (laughs) And what I have learned to do or learning to do is to really accept who I am and to be myself. That, that has been a struggle, an ongoing struggle. So where am I and what do I think about fatherdom? Well, a lot of different particulars. Um, I wanted to leave y'all with a conversation that I just had with my godson, my middle godson, Antonio. Um, Antonio is a great, great young brother. Uh, I've known him since he was a youngin as well. He was in our wedding. I think he was like three or four when he was in our wedding. And um, now he's a grown ass man. And uh, I struggled because I was like, man, I don't know if I want to reach out to him because he his father died uh, prior to him being born. So he never even met his father. Um, 
and we've talked about being a dad and being, you know, all, all those different things, right? All three of my godsons have different stories with their dads, um, whether they were present, whether they had mental illness and never talked about it and whatnot. All of them have different um, experiences. But I wanted to end the, the this particular uh, podcast with this conversation that he and I just had uh, in regards to it. And my wife, you know, encouraged me. She's like, no, you should really reach out to him um, and ask him what, you know, what, you know, what he thinks and what it, what it means, you know, what does it mean? What does Father's Day mean for him? Um, so this is that conversation. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, and I want you to hear the full conversation of what we were talking about, you know, all the nuances and all the, the, uh, uh-huh's, uh, as well. Cause I think he has a very interesting perspective and I appreciated him. I've appreciated him, you know, his entire life that I've known him and, we all have these different ideas and notions of what it means to be a dad, what it means to be a man. And so, yeah, check this out. So that was growing up. That's, you know what I'm saying? That was an example that was set forth. And then like, it just made me really realize how lucky I am to have Emily in my life as a link, you know, to just introduce me. Cause I mean, to be honest, for the most part, when it comes, when it came to uh, male role models, it was just more of a, um, example on what not to do mm. you know mm. and then when we, when we met you it was more so uh reinforcing um the values that we were raised on and it was it was it was just interesting because you kind of like the values that we were raised on you took it and you made it cool for us and we grew up we grew up seeing that you you, you made it cool to like uh be a man that stands on his values you know and, and, and is real strong when it comes to him and, um, like, you know, cause you know how we're raised to like respect women and, and, uh, we, we hold the, you know, how it is, how we hold God and, you know, how we feel about our faith. Yeah. And yeah. Just to see, you know, just to see a man, just like, I don't know, just like set an example that living that, living that way actually does bring you more positive, like energy. It brings you more peace. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And so man, we're actually like. Me and Dave, when I was talking, I was like, man, we're lucky. We're so lucky to have this, man. We're so lucky. Like, I was I was happy. I was going to just shoot you a text. But when you, um, you know, when we got to texting and stuff, I was like, nah, I got to talk to him, man. It hasn't, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's it's been way too long. And the last time we were talking, it was good, but it was just a little bit too quick. Yeah. And, you know, we were just talking about the legacy, you mm. know, because that's, I don't know, that's been real big. Like, ever since Emily said it to me, it's, it's been real big because it's like, it's real. It's, it's real. The example that we set forth is, is real. We're all, like, it's like we're all co-creating this legacy, you know, and it's mm. impacting the world. I see it impacting the world. Man, that's deep. That's deep, man. Yeah. I mean, and, and man, and I, you know, and I, and I debated about, you know, calling and asking you because, you know, and I told Emily and she was like, no, nah, man, don't, you know, reach out, reach out to Antonio because I've been, you know, calling folks and asking folks like, hey, man, I know it's last minute, but give me what you think about, you know, fatherhood and everything, man. And, um, you know, because I know, you know, you never get, really got a chance, you know, to meet your dad and stuff, man. So I really wasn't sure like what yeah. what this meant, this day particularly meant, you know, or means for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rough time. It's a, it's a rough time. I was, um. And it just really hit me today, you know, like, um, cause I don't know, lately I've been dealing with a lot of death lately, mm -hmm. young and old, you know? Yeah. And, um, 
it just made me realize, you know, um, how it affected me growing up. And I, I really wish my dad was here. And then on top of that, I had to move past the pain and kind of just um, look at all the positive, like, sides about it. Like, I got all these men in my life that actually stepped up and they wanted to, you know, help raise me. In, in reality, they wanted to help raise me and they wanted to help, you know, water the seed that my mom had planted and, it's, it's, it's made the difference. Like, I don't know, seeing my brother raise his son, I just, I'm really starting to understand the importance of fatherhood when, like, growing up, it was really way more focused on motherhood. It wasn't really, like, a focus on fatherhood. You know, fatherhood, it goes unnoticed. Like, dad, you know, the things that dads do and just what it takes to be a father, all that stuff goes unnoticed. And there's so many men that are, you know, stepping up to the plate and they're taking this responsibility and they're knocking it out of the park, right? They're taking it to the next level, you know, and they're, we, we don't really realize it until it's too late. I feel like. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. To hear, man. I, yeah, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't, hadn't thought about it, you know, quite like that and stuff, man. But you know, I know good dads aren't necessarily highlighted. Oftentimes we hear about the deadbeats. We hear about the, folks who you know who are assholes really man and 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 whatnot but just you know what what is that anyone especially being you know black and whatnot there's a lot of negativity around black men black fathers yes yes and that's what i was that's what i was trying to say like before you know before we met you it was really just um they they weren't role models it was just examples of what not to do it was examples of you know uh what was you know what was what was wrong about being a black man and you know it was it was just more before we met you it was really just more highlighted on our shortcomings you know and, and our problems as a people it was more that was more so the focus I grew up on I didn't you know and then I, when we met you and we started you know getting to know you more I I saw a whole different side of life like that you know I wasn't really fully used to it. and then I started to see it more often. Hmm. And now that I'm an adult, I, I see it with, like, guys that I have grew up with. I see, you know, with my little brother. I see it with my little brother. And it's it's just, it's crazy. It's empowering. It makes me, you know, it, I don't know. It's, it's like a big reality check, man. Because like you said, the good dads aren't really highlighted. It's more highlighted on the deadbeats. And, yeah. You know, like you said, the assholes. It, and, and that's just how it is. That's just, that's just really how life is. That's what we're saying. Man, but yep. What we're really getting, the real deal, is there too. And that needs to be broadcasted way more. We need to see way more of that. Man, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, it's, like I said, that's why I wanted to do this. I was going to do another episode for my podcast, man, because that's what this whole thing is for. And I was just like, no, nah, yeah. man, I really need to, you know, because, you know, like, you know, like for me, I mean, it's like I haven't seen my dad since like 82. July 18th, 82 right. was the last time I seen my dad. And I haven't had no contact with him, nothing. I, and I just right. never understand, like, what possesses a person to not to know that you got another life out there. I mean, unless he's dead. I mean, and, but then again, I don't I don't know. I really don't. I really don't know right. if he's still alive. I'm like, dude, like, really, this whole time, like 30 plus years. Right. right. I remember you. I remember you telling me that. I think you said it was in Oakland. Yeah. Last time you seen him. Yeah. And yeah. I remember. I I remember the story, and 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 that's what that's what really gets me is because, you know, there's we 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 come into this world, and then there's these babies that are going into 
you know, children that grow into young adults who are really missing a piece of their self. And then so you really have to find yourself really because you're missing a piece of yourself and you're, you're not being raised with that other half. So you never really know what you're missing until you find it for yourself. And that's hard because we yeah. already got responsibilities in life. Right. Right. It just, it, 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 it sucks. And, and I don't know. I can't, I honestly, I can't, I, I don't see, like, I can't defend it. I can't, I can't defend it. I, I mean, I try to understand, I understand situation and circumstances, but to really, you know, to really let that piece of you go out in this world, you know, without any type of like armor, any type of like you, you, you're not, you're, you're setting them up for failure. And that's what sucks is I'm sick of seeing, I'm sick of seeing us being set up for failure as a people. I'm, uh, it, you know, I'm sick of the broken homes. And I'm sick of, you know, all of the stripes we already have against us. Like, don't go and make it harder for us. Life is already hard enough. Right. Don't go Don't go out there and intentionally make it harder just because you think you're making it easy for yourself. Because seeing these kids grow up, I'm realizing, like, you know what I'm saying? It would kill me to miss out on that. If I had a piece of me out here and and I was missing out on that, that would that would hurt way worse. That's not the easy way out. That's not. Man, yeah. I think it's foolish. I think that's the fool's way. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's interesting to see, you know, a generation, particularly of young men, you know, out here on the West Side. That it's just interesting to just to see their, you know, their engagement and whatnot. So it's, it, it, you know, just to see an entire generation, for the most part, a lot of them don't necessarily have a dad present in their life. Um, mm-hmm. But have come to know manhood or whatever, you know, through videos or through magazines or through other friends or through, or through, you know, what they've seen and heard, you know, just in the rumor mill and and whatnot. And so that, you know, it's troublesome, especially for, and I'm speaking particularly for, you know, black men. I mean, I'm, yeah, if I'm, if I'm being, if I'm being, you know, transparent and everything, man, but yeah, brother, I, I appreciate you taking the time and, 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 and talking with me, man. I just I really didn't want to take up much of your time. I just wanted to just get some perspectives and I, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, this is good. This is yeah. real good. No problem. No problem. No problem. You always, Dan, you know, it's it's no problem. Of course, I got you any time. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to wish you a happy Father's Day and let you know. I, I appreciate personally. I know my brothers, they they appreciate, you know, what you have done for us and you mean a lot to us, but I'm just going to thank you personally and wish you a happy, happy father's day. And, uh, let you know, I'm trying to get some time to come out there. I'm really trying to get some time to come out there. Cause I really, I really got to see you guys. I really want to come out there and kick it and just have a good time. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of talk about six flags. You said it, Emily said it. So I want to, <laughs> I really want to come in, check out this Chicago six flags, see if there's any, anything quite to the Cali one. I, I know it's probably, not as good. There's only one Magic Mountain, but I need to come check it out. Just have some fun and enjoy life, man. That would be great. I would love for you to do that. And yeah, man, with our memberships, we'll we'll hook it up. Okay, cool. Well, I'll keep you posted. I'm gonna figure out dates and times and stuff like that. But it shouldn't be too long, man. It shouldn't be too long. Good. I hope it's not. All right. I want you to hug the ladies tight for me. I will. Easy, like. 
tell them I love them and I love you too, man. And I'll, I'll get up with you, man. I'll see you soon, okay? Sounds good, brother. I love you too, man. Yeah, you be blessed, man. Stay up. You too. Thanks, man. Yeah, talk to you later. Okay.